Well, maybe you've heard the saying, teamwork makes the dream work. And isn't that true? Um, Whether it's tipping an iceberg to save your lives or pretty much every single uh, accomplishment in human history and modern human history or discovery has always come through some form of team work, right? Uh, A couple examples that I could think of that really inspire me and I think are pretty cool, maybe you will too, is um, climbing Mount Everest, tallest place in the entire world, uh, Sir Edmund Hillary and uh, Tenzing, uh, the Sherpa. Uh, They were the first ones known to mankind to to climb Mount Everest. Uh, We've, uh, and that was a team effort. It wasn't just them. It was an entire team of people that helped them get there. Uh, We've done uh, free falling from space. This is Felix. He jumped from a little space cap capsule on a balloon down to earth. There's literally the curvature of the earth. That's how high he was. And he fell all the way to the ground, um, got a parachute and landed safely. Incredible teamwork made that possible. We've landed on the moon. Obviously that requires some team. Another space related thing that I think is pretty cool. I check in on every so often is Voyager one. Here's our solar system right here. Here's earth way here. And then there's Voyager one man-made spacecraft, um, that we launched that is currently in interstellar space. It is no longer in our solar system. It is that far away and still functioning. Really, truly, I think, quite incredible. Really, all major feats in humankind require some form of a team, require other people, are not one. um, It it wouldn't have been possible. You couldn't have gone to someone and said, if they're on an island isolated from everyone, they, they could not have accomplished these things without the help of other people. We've been to the deepest parts of the ocean, uh, right there, the Mariana Trench. Um, Alexander Fleming, really applicable to these days, is antibiotics and discovery of some of modern medicine, all somewhat related to a team or team participation. And for those of you watching, and you know this, um, you know um, that you are better that you can achieve more when the people around you work together, work together to help you or to accomplish a common goal, right? When your family works together, right? When your spouse helps out, when your kids listen, I know it only happens probably once a year or so. You kind of sit back though and you're like, wow, family, that was incredible. We all got in the car. We're all on time. We're all dressed appropriately and things are going just really well. That is impressive, right? But what happened? Your family worked together. Everybody was engaged. Everybody was in the game. Maybe it's in your work environment. You know, all your coworkers showed up. You showed up. Everybody was focused. Everybody had a positive attitude. It made working more enjoyable and you accomplished more, didn't you? It's easier when people are in the game, heads in the game. You tend to win more versus when everybody or some people or even half the team, a quarter of the team is sitting in the stands not participating. Isn't that true? Versus when your family members just kind of do whatever they want to do. They do their own thing. What happens when they do that? You're late, right? You're late. Or your coworker forgets to get that part of the project in on time, or they just forget to straight up show up, right? How well does that work? Well, it doesn't work. You're not going to get the deal sold. You're not going to get the project done. And in fact, you may have to end up working longer and harder to pick up their slack because they weren't in the game. They weren't on the team. 
And I realize there are challenges to working as a team, working together, but it is undeniable that you accomplish more together when everybody shows up, everybody's involved, that in fact, life is better together. All parts of life are better together when we're together. It's just better to be together. And this is true when it comes to church and personal faith too. Now, I was thinking about faith and church and how we're better together, that whole idea. And I kind of realized something, uh, at least this was my experience. Maybe this was your experience or maybe your perception of, of church and faith is I kind of noticed that growing up around church, uh, everybody kind of seemed to think that faith was more an individualistic thing versus a group thing. We celebrated personal accomplishments accomplishments more than we celebrated group accomplishments, right? We celebrated that you're showing up at church, that you got baptized, that you got your first Bible, that you got confirmed, that you had great Sunday school attendance. Rarely were there team activities. On the flip side, there were individual stickers for memorizing verses on a chart or um, memorizing creeds or commandments. It was personal accomplishment all the way. Rarely did you see adults or parents in small groups in community, regularly meeting together for length of time, not just to learn from the pastor, but to be in community with one another, go through life together, have relationships with one another, talk about each other's struggles and attempt to figure out the best way to approach those struggles with a faith, with a Jesus-centered focus. Now, maybe I realized there was like a men's night or a women's retreat or something like that. And those aren't bad, but even those where there could be a degree of authenticity and relationship building, those are just a singular moment in time, not something that happens over and over and over again throughout life. And there's nothing inherently wrong with any of those things because there is value in personal growth and the personal part that we have to engage with in our faith. In fact, even at Infuse, we celebrate personal steps, right? There's nothing wrong with any of those. What I'm just saying is we're good on our own, but I think we're better together. If you consider in your own life that some of the moments where you took big steps forward in your life, maybe you started something new, you stopped something bad, whether it be in your career or relationships or emotionally, were you alone when that happened? Did you get there completely entirely on your own? Maybe you like to think you did, but you really, of course, in all reality, didn't get there entirely on your own. Other people helped you at certain points along the way, whether you asked for it or not. No major accomplishment really can be separated from other people from, from being together. Yes, you decided to take that step to say yes to that thing or to say no to that thing. And that's a great job, good for you to take that step, that personal engagement step. But even in those moments, there were probably others there to celebrate with you, to encourage you or to help you get through it. Why? Because we all know, in fact, I would suggest to you that we were all created to know that life is better together, that we can only grow so much alone, but we can accomplish so much more when we're together. One of the best and most amazing examples of this principle. I think this is a powerful example of the better together idea is Jesus's church start plan. 
And I realize for many of you, you're probably thinking to yourselves, wow, that's not a concept that I've thought a lot about. Like, hey, what was Jesus thinking about when he started the church, especially the church like we know today with billions of people that are a part of it? Like, how did Jesus get to that point? What was his plan? Okay, I realize that's not something you think about often, but don't discount it. Because personally, I'll tell you, I still struggle to comprehend the scale of how uh, transformative and powerful this plan was. Because this plan got Christianity from one man, Jesus of Nazareth, to two plus billion people today. Have you or do you know many people? who have had such a profound impact, not just today, two plus billion people, but throughout the course of history for 2,000 years. Very few. Very few. You want to know what his plan was? His plan was inviting 12 guys to follow him for three years, or approximately. I'm going to say that again because I think this is just so big. Inviting 12 guys to follow him for three years brought Christianity from a one-man show, granted, son of God, I'll give you that, but to two plus billion people. You want to know why this was so powerful? Is because these 12 guys followed Jesus day and night. They went through life together. When they were hungry, which was often, there's many accounts in the, the, the Gospels, the accounts of Jesus's life and ministry where the disciples were hungry. They spent time together eating, many accounts of that. They traveled a lot. And this was traveling not in cars, not with phones. There was no Hulu to watch on your drive. They just had to either walk or talk. So they spent a lot of their time, as you can imagine, talking. And they got so familiar with one another, got, got to know one another so well. They got to know each other's families. We, we have accounts of Peter and James and John, their families interacting with Jesus and his ministry. They learned to support one another through the hard times. They learned to, um, w- what things would frustrate one another because, yeah, they even upset Jesus at a couple of points in, in the ministry. They learned to encourage one another. Um, they learned to mourn when people lost loved ones, John the Baptist and Lazarus. Most importantly, they learned a lot about what it meant to follow Jesus. They grew a lot when it came to learning about who God was, who the Savior of the world was. They learned a lot about how to actually love, what real love actually looked like. They went from simple Jewish fishermen who couldn't read or write to change the world. Why? Because they got out of the stands. They got out of the game. And more specifically, they followed Jesus. That's the game. They got in the game. And don't miss this. They saw him work. They saw lives changed because they did that. They saw lives transformed. And they learned amazing teachings about God. Jesus modeled the better together idea again and again and again for over three years. 
And we read this in uh, many points about Jesus and his disciples. Uh, But then what I love is is, uh, when Jesus calls his disciples, Caitlin talked about that in week two of this series. Um, But then as many good leaders do, they got to the point, Jesus got to the point where he actually delegated responsibility to these 12 men because his goal was to get, the, the end goal for these guys was to get them to the place where he could turn the entire church, the entire way, the following of Jesus over to these guys and put them in charge and leave, okay? And so he had to get them ready. So he started to delegate to them. And one of these moments is when he sends the disciples out. Luke talks about this. Mark talks about it. Matthew talks about it. We're gonna look at Luke today. Um, Luke chapter nine, here's what it says. When Jesus had called the 12 together, so he got the 12 together and he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure disease. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And what Matthew and Mark tell us is he didn't send them out on their own. He sent them out together in pairs because Jesus knew, as you know, you're better together. You can accomplish more as a team than on your own. And you want to know the outcome of just this moment, just this decision. They'd already been following Jesus for a little bit, but now they're going out and they're doing it on their their own. They're taking ownership. You want to know the impact of this? Thousands, you can read it in Luke chapter 9. Thousands heard about Jesus. They came to faith and they joined the team too. Even Herod the Tetrarch. Here's what Luke says in verse 7. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on. All that the disciples and Jesus were doing. Herod Antipas, who was the son of Herod the Great, he was the governor of this area. He even heard about the few weeks of work that these disciples did when they went out in pairs to impact the world for Jesus. That would be like the governor of Iowa hearing about what you are personally doing and the impact you're having in the world following Jesus. In just a matter of a few weeks of time of work. How did that happen? Why was there such an impact? They got in the game. They played as a team and they followed Jesus. So if you're sitting there right now, if you're watching this right now and you feel like maybe your faith has stalled out, maybe you're not even sure what faith is. If it's worth it or if your faith is even working, you're not sure who Jesus is. You're thinking to yourself, you know, yeah, I've been following Jesus for a while. I need a restart or I have some room to grow that I could become a better follower of Jesus. I could learn more from Jesus. If that's any of those thoughts and then some that are going through your head right now that maybe you have some progress to make, then you need to understand, I hope, or accept, come to terms with this basic principle. It is difficult to see Jesus work when you're not following him. If you want to move forward in your faith, but you're not following him, it's going to be difficult to see him. It's going to be difficult to figure it out. The only way sometimes to learn is to try it. That's what we tell our two-year-old daughter. That's what your, um, that's what your cross country to- coach told you in high school or your swimming coach told you, your PE teacher. Hey, if you want to learn your art teacher, if you want to learn, you got to actually try it. 
You got to give it a shot. It is difficult to see the end goal. It is difficult to see the win. It is difficult to see Jesus work when you're not even following him. It's not like the disciples had it all figured out. They were fishermen. But what they decided to do that so many of us fall short of actually doing is the following portion. They followed him and they followed him intentionally. Not just when it was convenient, not just when they had time. It was a priority. They got in the game. And they got in to the team. They got their heads in the game. They were involved. If you're not sure where you're going, if you're feeling lost, then you got to look for the answers. Because the lost things will show up faster if you look for them. Fair? So why not start looking after Jesus? Why not start following him? Or to say it a different way, it's difficult to grow when you're not on the team. It's difficult to grow when you're not on the team. So Jesus' followers, um, Jesus taught them and, and did his ministry for three years. And then some of you know how the story goes. He was crucified on a Roman cross, died, buried. The disciples thought it was all over. Understandable. The guy died, Roman cross. You know, obviously Rome won. We lost. Jesus was not actually the Messiah because you can't kill the Messiah. You know, they thought it was all over. Funny thing was, they kind of still stayed together. (laughs) They were still hanging out when the unthinkable happened. Jesus came back from the dead. He said he was, but then he actually did it. And their minds were like blown. They couldn't believe it. It was incredible. And it restored their faith and brought their confidence in Jesus to a whole new level. And Jesus said, you see that I'm alive. I'm going to leave you now, but you're in charge. You have to get to work starting the church. Said all the power and authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out and make disciples baptize them and teach them to obey everything I have commanded. Those are your marching orders. Church, people, community of people who follow Jesus. This is what you're supposed to do. Matthew chapter 28, very bottom. Look at it. Right before Jesus leaves, he gives them the marching order. He says, you're on the team now. Go get it done. Go get it done. And you want to know what they did? They did exactly that. And you want to know how they did it? And I think this is so incredible. Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, but also wrote the book called, that we call Acts, which documents the start of the church for the first couple decades right after Jesus um, went into heaven. Jesus was gone. Okay, This is what he said. This is how he said that the disciples, the apostles, the followers of Jesus went about telling people about Jesus, went about following Jesus's commands. Here's how they did it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the closest followers of Jesus, and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. In other words, they spent time together weekly as a team. In many cases, they spent time daily together. Other historical accounts outside of Christian documents, outside of the Bible, tells us because there were outside people looking in at this new thing called Christianity and they're like, what are they doing? I don't understand it. So they spent they sent spies in to figure out what the Christians were doing and they would send them into their homes because that's where the Christians would meet in their homes. And they said, these Christians, they get together and they pray and they sing songs and they learn about Jesus and then they commit to each other to be wholesome, awesome, loving, kind, generous people. 
They commit not to steal or to cheat. They commit to be people of integrity and honesty. And it's incredible. It's incredible. You want to know how Jesus' ministry exploded? All over the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire who wanted to extinguish Christianity, this is how they did it. They got in the game and they played as a team. They hung out in each other's homes. They broke bread together. Read the rest of Acts chapter 2. And you'll understand what they did. Community, fellowship, breaking bread together. They played as a team. They got in the game. And so what does that mean for us today? Well, it means, I think, or I want to suggest to you, I hope that you will consider getting in the game specifically into a small group. And I know probably part of your mind is thinking to yourself, ah, Taylor, you keep pushing the small group thing over and over again. It's just like such a sales pitch, all this stuff, all this lead up was kind of interesting. And now the conclusion is we got to get into a small group. Yep, that is the conclusion. Why? Because I care about you. I don't want to waste your time. I'm the type of person that hates wasting time. I hate wasting my time. I hate wasting other people's time. I despise it. I don't want you to waste your time. And if I thought this was a waste of your time, I wouldn't recommend it. But this is the best investment of your time. It's the best investment of your time to move the ball of your life forward personally and relationally in your faith, and as an effect of that in every other part of your life, as an impact of that in every other part of your life, to become a better husband, a better wife, a better parent, a better friend, a better person out on the dating circuit, a better loving, uh, loving person, caring person, generous person. It will make your life better and make you better at life following Jesus. When you get in a small group and you learn to go through life, together. The people of Jesus' time got in the game and they played as a team. And I think you could benefit from that as well. And I know there's a lot of reasons not to. I know you're thinking to yourself right now, Taylor, I got so much on my schedule. I don't know if I have the time. My kids have sports and athletics and games and all that stuff's picking up right now. And we just got too much to do, maybe in a different season of life. If that's you, you need to watch part two of this message with Caitlin. And she did a great job of helping us to understand why time should not be a factor. I get it. If you say, I got a lot going on. I got a lot of different priorities. You got to watch week two. I get it if you think to yourself, um, hey, I got lots of kids and, and it's really difficult to figure out the schedule and all this stuff. We will help you in finding childcare if you need it. If you're thinking to yourself, um, I'm not sure if I'm Christian enough to be a part of a small group, then my question to you would be, well, when will you be a Christian enough? How are you going to get to be Christian enough if you don't join a small group? Listen, we're a church whose vision statement is to make churches that unchurched people love to attend. In other words, we're a church for unchurched people. There are no expectations that you have it all figured out when you join a group. If you listen to Simon's baptism story from last week, he talks about he was not a church person. He was not even growing up in a church family. He was not a Christian. He had lots of doubts. But who does he thank at the end, along with his wife and his family? He thanks this men's group 
for the difference and the impact that they had in his faith journey. If you say to yourself, well, I kind of do church on my own, Pastor Taylor. Like, I kind of like this online thing because we don't have to show up and be in community and do that three-minute awkward talk to each other whole thing. Um, So I like this better. I actually do church better on my own. I just want you to remember that the church is not a building or a place. It is a community of people. So it's really hard to do church on your own because church inherently is something you do together. You were created for community. It may not be comfortable, but you were created for it. I would really encourage you to consider it. And I get it when we get into community, it's uncomfortable and it's tough. Honestly, I think it's actually worse today to be in authentic community because of, uh, in a large part, because of social media and because of our busy schedules. We just don't have time to spend in authentic, personal relationships. All of our relationships are kind of about yay deep. And I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not trying to be overly critical. I'm just trying to be realistic. That being in authentic relationships means that there is going to be a part of life that is uncomfortable. There was many times following Jesus for the disciples, that things were uncomfortable. But growth will happen. And sometimes growth happens most when there's a little discomfort, when you have to work through some problems. That's when change, transformation, and growth happens. That's the whole point of the gospel is we were lost in sin. There were problems, uncomfortable, and we found forgiveness and new life in Christ. Or to make it even simpler, when you go to the gym, you know that you probably worked fairly decently if you walk away a little sore the next day, right? You know you tried. You know you put some effort into it. And you also know that you're probably going to grow because of it. There's probably a number of more reasons that you can think of that I haven't talked about to not join a group. And if you don't want to join a group, you will find a way to do that. But before you write it off completely, I want you to hear from at least one person who has spent the last year, October to about October, in one of our infused church small groups. His name is DJ, and hear what he has to say. Well, my name is Dapogun Toimbo, but I go by DJ. Um, Born Nigerian, but came to the United States about when I was 18, and then... um, Went to school, got married, moved to Iowa about four and a half years ago. Last year, I I, uh, I was part of the men's group. Um, well, growing up, I've always enjoyed small groups. I I became a Christian arrow when I was 16 or so. And the churches I went to, they kind of pushed small groups. I always enjoyed small groups. From being part of the men's group, got to know quite a few of the guys well. Outside just meeting on Mondays, we also started playing tennis together, especially with COVID um, happening, we started playing tennis together. Um, I mean, I've just enjoyed getting to meet people through this avenue and I've just enjoyed, it's been a great way for me to kind of be part of the community here in Tiffin and know people personally. If you're on the fence, then I'll encourage you to to come in and try it out. It's a very 
at least from my own experience, there's everyone, we're all in different parts of our faith and everyone understands that and it's a very open group. I think people are welcoming, understanding. We all have different perspectives on faith. It's not, um, it's not, a, it's not a, a combative environment. It's very welcoming and if you're on the fence, just try it out and I'm sure you're not gonna be disappointed. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to being in a group again this coming year to again build community with um, other people and just, I enjoy the community, I enjoy the conversations and I'm looking forward to being in the next coming men's group. So I know at, at some points um, in, in DJ's story there, he even talked about, um, uh, as, as he and I were talking and, and we were recording that, um, he talked about how we go through, and he has—he was going through um, kind of a darker period in his faith, and how going to men's group every week and asking questions and listening to other people answer those questions helped him to find, as he described it, a light at the end of the tunnel. He said, "I haven't reached the light at the end of the tunnel, but I see the light now at the end of the tunnel," and and that is because he got involved. He took that step. He got, gets the idea that life is better together, that faith is better together, and that you'll be better together. And so what I want to encourage you to do is pretty simple. I want you to sign up, show up, and at the least, try it. Sign up, show up, and at the least, try it. If it doesn't work out in the first few weeks and it's just not a good fit for you, you can walk away no questions asked, and we're okay. We understand it's not always going to be a perfect fit for everybody the first time around. But I think for most people, in fact, I think well over 90 plus percent of people last year who signed up for a group, stuck with their group through the entire duration of it, which was super awesome. And I know they will tell you, we're going to hear from another uh, couple next week um, about their experience and how positive it has been. That following Jesus in a team is better. In fact, it's how it's meant to be. Just like everything else in life. If you have a good team around you, if you have other people who are also in the game, it makes life better. Try it. Try it. Try following Jesus in this way. I guarantee just as it changed 11 men's lives who followed him first 2,000 years ago and how it has changed billions, billions with a B, I'm not even having to exaggerate the number, billions of lives since. It can for you as well. So sign up, show up, try it. Infuse.church slash groups. Go right there right now and give it a shot. Our awesome chat host will put it in the chat box as well. Don't um, give in to the idea that you will be most successful alone. You will be most successful together in a team, in the game. If you will, bow your heads, close your eyes if it's safe to do so wherever you are, and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Thank you for all the things that your son Jesus taught us when he came to earth and all the things that he modeled for us coming to earth, just like this idea of life being better together. That his master plan was not to just come and be one isolated individual in the middle of the world. 
He came to be in community with us. He came to teach us, guide us, and involve us in your plan, not just for our lives, but for this world. So Lord, help each and every one of us. If we've resisted this idea of being in community before, if we're on the fence now, if we're trying to figure out how we can make that work in our schedule to take that step, to sign up, to show up, and to try it. To see what you can do when we choose to follow you. When we choose to be in community together. When we choose, as, as many verses in the Bible talk about, that, that we can experience an iron sharpening iron, that, that three cords are tied together, are much stronger than two. When, when you're in a fight and you have people at your back, you'll be stronger. Many Proverbs in the Old Testament talk about this and how the new church modeled this in Acts like we just read about. Being in community together, as, as Hebrews talks about, the letter the Hebrews talks about, um, that we should not get out of the habit of meeting regularly together. Why? Because we are better together. We know that through our life's experience, and this is the same when it comes to following you. Don't let us shy away from that, Lord. Encourage us. Place people in our lives to encourage us that this week would be the week we take that step to sign up, show up, and try it. Lord, we pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us.